God is very gracious and <clears throat> varied in his decisions on how to make his word and his message known to us any given day. And as very often is the case, uh, after the prayer, before the sermon is prayed, I could probably just, you know, sit down. That was, uh, that was beautiful. So thank you, Sherry. Well, I don't always put a ton of effort into the sermon title in the sense that I know as a buddy of mine jokes, he's like, why do you even do sermon titles? Nobody reads those things. Nobody cares. And I said, well, that may be the case, and that's fine. But it helps me to kind of narrow and focus, okay, of all the directions we could go this week with this text, what are we going to talk about? So it's it's supposed to be a half-decent thesis uh, in the title. And so the title this week that I've chosen is that games are won and lost in practice. Games are won and lost in practice. Now, we have experts on the matter in the room, and so if any of them disagree with anything I said, I hope you'll speak up and correct and challenge since I've never actually been a coach. But I'm guessing that this principle can be applied in various stages and various types of uh, activities that we do in life. Uh, but from my very little experience in games and on things where you have to train your body to participate in games, it was always true for me that games were won and lost in practice. Now, some examples would be things like an ACT score. Uh, we have kids in our church in recent years have done really, really, really well on their ACT. Now, obviously, they don't just show up to take the ACT and pray to God for miraculous immediate wisdom and take the ACT, having not learned anything in high school, and just move through it flying colors and get full rides to colleges because of their scores. No. They've practiced. They've worked the math problems. They've been readers for a big part of their life, and they've done really well. That's why Amberly did so well on the ACT, and I did so poorly. It's because I read at like a sixth grade level when I was a senior in high school. So that's the difference right there. I could do math. I just couldn't read. Uh, so, and then, uh, you know, you think about tests, and I was laughing because, you know, when you're taking tests in college, and, uh, and I remember it's joking because you get around campus ministry and everybody's, you know, a little, a little, we're trying on spirituality. We realize it's important to pray and do things. And so you hear the most ridiculous prayers and be like, Lord, I just didn't study for this test at all. Uh, but God, just give me wisdom miraculously, you know, to pass the test. And, you know, God in his wisdom, maybe he does that sometimes, but it never worked for me. It's like, Lord, I just met this girl from Bovina and I know I was supposed to study for that production economics test yesterday. Um, but I didn't, and, uh, you know, I'm in a bind, but it, you know, it didn't work for me. I still didn't pass when I did that, but you got to put in the time. You got to work the problems. You got to do the work. Still to this day, if you put me on the basketball court and there are others moving around and I'm guarding someone on the three side of the lane and there's somebody coming down the middle of the lane or over on the two side of the lane, I'm going to look for midline and I'm going to look to see what kind of help defense I need to offer. Do I need to stand in the lane and take a charge or do I need to bluff? And get back to my guy because he's a shooter. And it just, I don't have to think about it. I just instinctively do it because it was drilled into me so much. Or look at musicians. The many musicians in the room, we have some who are learning to play instruments and things like that. I could go pick up Jenny's guitar and you could tell me, play an E chord. And my fingers would automatically go to the E chord. But if you sit me down at a piano and say, play an E chord, you will all leave because the sound will be terrible. Because I have no idea how to play an E chord on a piano. I have not practiced on a piano. I don't, my fingers don't savvy piano. Uh, or like I remember the guy that taught me how to rope, you know, he said, and I was going to my first series of kind of ropings and rodeos, and he said, now listen, Ryan, I'm going to tell you. And I couldn't drive, and so I was just there, and he said, now all these guys that you're there with, 
they're all going to be standing around their trailers and drinking beer and telling stories and doing all the stuff. He's like, you can do all that, but I'm, here's what I want you to do. You need to go and take your roping dummy to the rope. You're going to be waiting all day, and I want you to just rope the dummy. You don't talk to anybody. You don't do anything. You take care of your horse and you rope the dummy all day. And if you do that, you'll be successful. And I was like, oh, I don't want to stand in a parking lot and rope a dummy all day. But, you know, it, I did, and he was right. And it helps. Practice, practice, practice. It makes the game result, whatever it is. Our muscles and our memory and our minds and our wills are trained in practice. And it's really no different in the Christian faith. Our mind and our soul and our heart and our strength are trained in practice. Belief, attention, and gratitude play crucial roles as we relate to God, as we relate to others, and as we relate to ourselves, as we have seen in the story Sherry read for us. Practice. Practice in the Christian faith readies us for the games that we play in life, for the things that are just great welcome challenges that we have and then the other things that we just never would have ever wanted in our life at all. We turn to the text and we continue, uh, as was read for us earlier, in Luke's Gospel. We're just moving right on to the next uh, paragraph from where we left off last week. We're in Luke 17, verses 11 through 19. And this, at this point, uh, we pick right back up with the, with the road narrative. So uh, we could play the Willie Nelson intro on, on the road again, and it would be accurate. This is Luke. He's bringing us back on the road again. So we've had these parables and done these different things and these teachings with the disciples and the Pharisees, and now Jesus is back on the road. Where is he going? He's headed to Jerusalem. He's already told his disciples, hey, I must go to Jerusalem. I must be handed over to the authorities. I must suffer. I must be crucified. Uh, and on the third day, be raised from the dead. And he's told them this. They still don't understand. But they're headed to Jerusalem, and they're following Jesus, and here they go. Now, on the way to Jerusalem, he's passing along between Samaria and Galilee is what Luke tells us. Now he's going, he's got, he's got Galilee on one side, and he's got Samaria on the other side. Galilee representing where Jesus has been, where he's familiar, where he did his ministry, uh, the area. And then we, Samaria on the other side, where if you're Jewish, you don't go. You don't cross that line. You don't spend time with those Samaritans, those people. But Jesus is walking right down the middle. He's on his way to Jerusalem. And as he enters a village, he's met by ten lepers who stood at a distance and lifted up their voice. Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. Now, the ten lepers, this was, this was required by law. They couldn't be close in that proximity. They couldn't be in worship spaces like we're in today. Uh, they, they had to stand at a distance. And so they've learned from praying the Psalms that you can ask for mercy from God. Oh, God, have mercy on us. And these ten lepers recognize, okay, there's something different. This, this guy we've heard about, this is Jesus. This is the son of David. This is, this is the one, you know, we've been praying these psalms, and now this is the fulfillment of all of our prayers. It's Jesus. So they say Jesus, and they call him Master. Lord, have mercy on us. And we don't know exactly what the nature of their leprosy was. It hardly matters. The point, really, in the story is that they're social outcasts. They're estranged from the community. Uh, the t kind of leprosy we're probably dealing with can be just any kind of skin malady. Uh, probably the, the disease that we know today as leprosy, it's highly unlikely that they all had that exact type of thing that would have needed the kind of medical treatment that 
We would see it's, it just could be anything. I mean, anything on your skin that caused you to not just have your skin clean would have kept you outside. You know, cover yourself and holler and do all the stuff. So that's what they're doing. We don't know anything about them. We don't know their names. We just know that they had something on their bodies that kept them out of the community. So they cry from a distance, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. And Jesus saw them, and he said to him, said to them, Go and show yourselves to the priest. Now at first it just seems like a I don't know, like Jesus is not really listening, or he's not really paying attention, or he doesn't want to really spend time. But we know sometimes in the stories Jesus reaches out and he touches those people that are social outcasts and medical outcasts and economic outcasts, and he, he places his hands on them. But in this case, he says, just go and show yourself to the priest. <laughs> He's like, what? We, we cried out to you. You're the one we've heard about that's supposed to heal us. Well, why are you sending us to the priest? Jesus sends him to the priest, and this was another thing. that The priest had to verify if someone was healed or they were no longer uh, unclean. For them to be permitted back into the community and the worship, they had to be. It had to be verified. The priest had the book and to check it off and say, yeah, okay, this guy, this gal can be back in the community. It's okay. Go and show yourselves to the priest. I, I can't imagine what that would be like. But we can, we can imagine a little bit. You know, sometimes when we cry out to Jesus and, and, and the answer that we seem to receive or that we begin to perceive is different than what we were hoping for. It starts to take a little bit different shape. Well, go and show yourselves to the priest. What? But as they went, they were cleansed. So whatever was wrong with their skin or whatever was wrong with whatever kept them out was cleansed on the way and the way it's written uh, they, they were all cleansed everybody gets cleansed all ten they're they're cleansed they're no longer they long, no longer need to stand as lepers and cry out like they did in verse 15 then one of them when he saw that he was healed so that's the first thing he, he notices somehow he he, he sees, uh, he feels, we don't know, but he saw that he was healed. He turns back, praising God with a loud voice, and he fell on his face at Jesus' feet, giving him thanks. This is one of my favorite stories in all the Gospels. <clears throat> it's this guy, he's, he saw that he's healed. He didn't even make it to the priest. He saw that he was healed and he turns around and he begins to cry out in a loud voice, praising God, giving glory to God. He falls down on his face in the ultimate posture of surrender and worship. It gives God thanks. And, and we just, you know, you just imagine, it's like this guy, he got it. He, he got it. He's giving thanks. He's giving glory to God. He falls on his face. He noticed that he was healed. He turned around. He gave thanks where thanks was due. <clears throat> And we're reading along, and the anticipation's building, and this guy's our new hero, and we're reading the story, and then there's this abrupt conjunction. Now, he was a Samaritan. <laughs> and we're not ready for that part. We don't know exactly, it's tough to know how to translate that word. It could be, and he was a Samaritan, or, but he was a Samaritan, or now this guy <clears throat> was a Samaritan. How it is, it's a sharp contrast, it's a Conjunction that leads us into something we weren't anticipating. And Luke is our narrator, and he it's kind of that parenthetical statement, oh, by the way, the guy that turned around and fell on his face and worshiped God and gave thanks, he was a Samaritan. And we're left to assume that the other nine were Jews. 
Jesus answered, Were not ten cleansed? Where are the nine? Was no one found to return and give praise to God except for, here's the word, this foreigner. This foreigner. This foreigner. The word foreigner is a word that was chiseled on the stone outside the temple. In other words, the people that aren't allowed in. You know, we have signs today saying, who can come and go in our buildings and what you can and can't do when you're in our buildings? Well, they did too. And one of those people that wasn't welcome were the foreigners. And this is the only place in the New Testament that this word occurs. Jesus says, did no one come back to give thanks but this foreigner? All the walls coming down, all the previously held assumptions about who the real worshipers were, who was really going to stand out as a follower of Jesus. We're not ten cleansed. Where are the nine? Was no one found to return and give praise to God except for this foreigner? And he said to him, Rise and be on your way. Your faith has made you well. Sherry already asked this question in her prayer. <clears throat> I'd like to ask it again. Where are you in the story? Where am I in the story? The guy that turns around, he, he recognizes the work of God. He worships God. He gives God thanks. And then he is praised for his great faith. If I'm honest today, and I evaluated this week, and I feel the same way today as I did this week. If I'm honest, I'm in the company of the nine most of the time. I walk with those nine folks. I'm still on my way to find the priest and figured I hadn't been paying attention to what's changed, to what God has done, and I'm off. There is a need in my life and in our culture and in our world and in our churches for an increasing, for a strengthening of attention, of gratitude, and of faith. Attention, gratitude, and faith. And just like we talked about, these things, they begin and they're increased and they're strengthened uh, throughout our lives. And we never know when we're going to be called upon to put them into action. You drill and you drill and you drill. You learn the instrument. You learn the notes. You put in the time and practice. You run the lines. You go through the drills. And you cuss the drills because no one likes drills. You're like, when am I going to get some real action? When are we going to play against somebody besides each other? We're tired of beating up on each other. Can we play somebody we're actually supposed to play and beat and get some enjoyment out of it? Strengthening, increasing... Attention, gratitude, and faith. All of these things are really God's gift. We know that. We know that God is the one who gives us the gift of faith. None of us are smart enough or intelligent enough or uh, have been enough places or whatever we would think it would take to, to just whip faith out of thin air, to just have faith on our own. But God gives the gift of faith. But we also, after God gives the gift of faith, that first act, we begin to cooperate with God's grace and that faith begins to grow. Faith is not something that you 
have at one point and then you just always have it. You just have it in your pocket and you've got it or you don't. It never changes. It never develops. It never shrinks. It never increases. The faith is absolutely like a mind, like a muscle. It must be grown and strengthened and trained, practiced. Gratitude is not just something you have or you don't. It's not just the thing like, well, I feel thankful today. Gratitude is something that builds and strengthens and grows in our will with time. As we exercise activities, increase gratitude, practice. For me, uh, the things that increase attention and gratitude especially uh, are at this point in my life is silence. <laughs> Many of you, I have little kids at home. So when I get away from little kids and the noises and all the stirs and put my phone away, uh, that's when I begin to notice things that I miss most of the time. I remember being at Camp Butman uh, sometime last year and just kind of a, an overnight, went out there on a Sunday night and stayed and then came back on lunch Monday and just turned everything off. And I was sitting there drinking coffee in the morning. I've been reading and I was just, I was just waiting and then just nothing going on, nothing going on. And something about the way the light came in the window and made a pattern of the window pane on the table in that small little cabinet camp up. It just, it just made me recognize God. It made me recognize things in my life that, that I, that I see every day that I'm entirely ungrateful for. Sometimes it's driving down the road, you know, and you just be driving down the road and the radio's off and you're just the road noise and things are going and, and you hardly remember you past one mile marker the next and, and you begin to notice things. You begin to remember people. Uh, you begin to think about those in your life and gratitude is built up. We begin to say God I thank you for this person in my life. God I thank you for this thing that you've asked me to do over here. God I thank you for this deal even though it was tough uh, it really sharpened me. It really made me the person that I am today. Sometimes for me, it's uh, it's just playing with kids. I love I love playing with kids that aren't my kids because I can get them all worked up and riled up and then send them home to their parents. You know that deal. It's kind of like you grandparents, which y'all get to do. Uh, like when I get to play with the CDO kids or do chapel with them, they're just. I mean, you can't spend time in there and not start noticing things differently, not start appreciating things a little differently. And I love having conversations with people that are way further down the road than me. And I try to have them as often as I can. I have a lot of them. And I just, I'm in awe. I watch these people have done things and believe things. And our faith and our gratitude and our attention increase when we hear other people's stories of faith. Other people, and sometimes they don't even realize it was a courageous act of faith. They're just talking about life. And you're going, what? You did what? And it increases our faith. It builds awareness. Deepens our gratitude. Now, I know we've got to be honest in gratitude. I'm, I'm not asking us to, you know, go down the list. And, and it is a great exercise to make a list of the things that we're grateful for. I know some of us are in a really hard season of life. And we look at events that we're not grateful for. You know, we shouldn't be grateful for death and for sickness and for some of the things that we face that just we didn't ask for. They just, they just show up in our homes and in our families. And we're not talking about those things. But even in those tragedies, there are often things, there are people, there are little moments that we begin to notice and say, in the midst of the worst time in my life, I remember that person. I remember that note. I remember that sunrise. And gratitude deepens. 
practice, it's prayer. I want, I want to close with uh, just a kind of a quick run through. I was thinking of some Psalms of David and, and several of these Psalms in a row, and I'm not going to read the whole Psalm, but I'm going to start in Psalm 104. And David says, bless the Lord, O my soul. Lord, my God, you are very great. And, and then David spends the whole Psalm just describing things that he sees in the world. You can read through, you make the winds, your messengers, you made the darkness and it's night. Uh, the young lions, they roar for their prey. Lord, how manifold are your works. In wisdom, you have made everything. And he just goes through and, hey, over there's the sea and over there's the mountains. And God, I just, man, I look around and see everything that you've made. And I'm in awe. I'm so grateful. And that's what David does. And then the very next Psalm, Psalm 105, oh, give thanks to the Lord. Call on his name. The next Psalm. 106, praise the Lord. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His steadfast love endures forever. The next Psalm, 107, oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. Psalm 108, I will give thanks to you, O Lord, among the peoples. Just one after the other. And what David is not saying is, hey, when you feel thankful, send a thank you note. Or, or, you know, it's like there's the song, like, I feel pretty, oh, so pretty. Um, I, I really don't know the song, I can't sing it. But isn't there a song like, I feel, I feel pretty, oh, so pretty, or I feel happy, oh, so happy. Lori's nodding her head. It's pretty. Okay, all right, very good. Well, you know, it's not like, it's not like, hey, I feel thankful, so I'm just, life is good. You know, this is David saying, it's not, I feel thankful. Or when you feel thankful, sing to God is saying, give thanks. Oh, give thanks to the Lord. And David says, I will give thanks. And as we pray with David, I will give thanks. Oh, give thanks to the Lord. As we pray those prayers, our will is strengthened. Our will is strengthened and our gratitude deepens. Our heart grows in capacity for depth of love for God, depth of love for others. So wherever you are today in the story, and, and maybe you're maybe you're the one person, you know, and, and, and you've noticed recently something that God has done and you're just on your way back praising God and, and giving thanks. And that's you. And, and that's you today. Amen. And wonderful. And please teach us. Um, and, and if you're over here with me and the nine, uh, I invite you just to some simple practices. Just when you get a chance, just a minute here, a minute there, five minutes over there driving down the road and. Just an inventory and an awareness. What is God doing? Oh, give thanks to the Lord. I will give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. Let's pray. God, we pause in this busy life. And we thank you for a moment to see things that we miss. We thank you for a moment to pray, to increase our faith, to increase our depth of gratitude. Lord, I pray that you would make us a grateful people, that you would make us a people strong and courageous in faith that we might live in the world in such a way that draws people, just like this one unlikely foreigner, to give thanks to you. 
that their lives might be changed and transformed as well. We ask these things in Jesus' name.